Ari Rosenbaum here in another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. Uh, this week's topic, we're going to talk about uh, top 10 wrong ideas about, uh, you know, what plan sponsors have about their retirement plans. Um, fun stuff. Uh, oldie but goodie, goodie. I always like the top 10 list from the Letterman Show and whatnot, so I always love the articles and uh, discussions where I talk about the top 10 things and whatnot. Uh, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events. Uh, the uh, virtual plan, uh, the, the virtual 401k conference, still uh, for free. Check the emails that you'll get from you know then and now, um, and sign up uh, for free on Zoom uh, for a limited time. We're going to have a planned sponsor virtual event probably sometime in October, and we'll see what we'll do with the live in-person events. I still want to do Yankee Stadium maybe as a, um, a finale of some sorts, a finale for now. Uh, but uh, please go to that 4 for further information, as well as articles and all that kind of good stuff. But let's talk about uh, wrong ideas and one of the more interesting uh, people in television history was a guy by the name of Fred Silverman. Uh, back in the day before there were like, you know, 90,000 channels and nothing on or whatever the Bruce Springsteen was, 60, I, I don't remember what the song was. But back in the day when I was a kid, we didn't get cable in Brooklyn until 1989. So if I would go to my aunt in Rockland County, it was a big deal to go up because all I wanted to do was watch TV because we had no cable. Um, for one reason or another, we didn't get it till 89. So network TV was a big deal. And pre, you know, time in the 70s, I mean, if you look at some of the ratings, uh, I don't even know what the top show is the this day this day and age was it NCIS? If you look at NCIS's ratings, um, or a similar show to that extent, I think NCIS is still like a top rated show. I don't even you know the only network shows I watch right now are Survivor and and I think the new Night Court. But what's interesting is that um, if you look at the ratings for NCIS, I think in the seventies. Uh, their rating, they would have get canceled. That shows you how fragmented TV was. So Fred Silverman was an interesting fellow, worked at CBS. You know, he was the head of programming over there. And, you know, the CBS in the early 70s was home run after home run. I mean, you had uh, all in the family. You had Mary Tyler Moore and you had MASH. And, you know, Fred was pushing off to have spinoffs. And everybody knows that all in the family begat Maud and Jeffersons and uh, Good Times was spun off from Maud, so, you know, lo and behold, you had like four or five Norman Lear shows. You had MASH and obviously Mary Tyler Moore. So Fred leaves for ABC, and then ABC blows up, you know, in terms of like popularity, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley. I think he wanted a Three's Company, and he wanted to do a spinoff of, uh, you know, Happy Days for Fonzie that didn't work out. So he was there, and then... You know, when you're such a hot programmer, um, the worst network on TV is going to hire you. And until about 84, uh, NBC was in dead last. It wasn't until uh, Brandon Tartikoff, Fred's uh, successor, did NBC rebound and eventually become number one thanks to uh, a guy we, we don't look too favorably on these days, Bill Cosby, and um, Miami Vice, Cheers, and, and all those shows. But Fred... 
when I was at NBC, uh, the third time's not the charm. Uh, he programmed uh, some really bad shows. Uh, Super Train is still one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Um, he was responsible for the dissolution, I mean, of the original cast of SNL. Um, you know, the, the, the not ready for primetime players, and 79, 80 was the final season for them. And uh, uh, Lorne Michaels had a falling out. Lorne Michaels wanted to take time off from the show, and um, Fred didn't want that. And he really wanted Al Franken and Tom Davis to take over the show as executive producer. And needless to say, uh, Al went on a skit on um, a Weekend Update where he said that uh, you know Lorne My uh, Fred Silverman didn't deserve a limo because of the, how poorly rated shows were, and you know it's a limo for lamo and whatnot. And Fred Silverman took that personally, so Al Franken wasn't going to be the executive producer of the show. They hired Gene Dumanian, who these days is probably more known as being a friend of Woody Allen until they had a falling out. But Jean Dumanian uh, lasted about a dozen shows before she was fired. And Al Franken came back triumphantly and said, you know, uh, no, you know, when uh, it was announced that um, uh, Dick Ebersole was taken over the show, uh, Al, who of course later became a United States Senator from Minnesota, said funny, uh, it was really funny, he's like, you know, the show will get better because no English-speaking person could do a worse job than Gene Dominion. And Fred Silberman was also responsible for another train wreck known as Pink Lady and Jeff, but really the show's title was Pink Lady. Who was Pink Lady and Jeff? Pink Lady was a Japanese singing duo. Uh, very, very popular in Japan. Not so popular in the United States. So Fred came up with the idea that he was going to do a variety show with Pink Lady, and they were going to add Jeff Altman, a comedian, who career got ruined by the show. He eventually popped up on that TV show Nurses, which was a spinoff of... Um, empty nest, but um, the problem with Pink Lady was the uh, they did the show with Marty the 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 Crofts the Marty and uh, I forgot the other brothers Croft. They produced the show, and the problem was is that the Japanese girls didn't speak a word of English. So they, I think they tried five episodes, and it ultimately flamed out. So a lot of bad ideas out there. Plan sponsors have a whole host of bad ideas. They're just absolutely wrong. So let's go, you know, after I've just given a whole dissertation on NBC in the 1970s. Number one, number ten, actually, um, plan sponsors have this misconception that they can't handle the plan by themselves. Uh, you know, there are many professionals out there that get the rules wrong. You know, there are risk attorneys that get the rules wrong and CPAs and, and whatnot and TPA firms. So I don't understand why an employer thinks they can do it um, – you know, everything on themselves, they, they really can't. And, you know, unless the employer is in the retirement plan business, they, they really can't handle the plan on their own. Working on retirement plans is complex and it really requires expertise. And so it shouldn't be tried at home. One of the biggest mistakes, the next on the list is uh, plan sponsors think they don't need uh, ERISA bond or fiduciary liability insurance. That's number nine. And obviously, um, an ERISA bond is required, fiduciary liability insurance is not, but they're both 
you know, good ideas. And in my mind, um, there's nothing uh, better than um, getting an ERISA bond as required uh, to protect assets from theft by planned fiduciaries, which again, you know, I, uh, I had Bernie Madoff steal $3 million from a client of mine. Uh, of course, this was before I was retained and they didn't have an ERISA bond. That was a problem. Um, obviously, fiduciary liability insurance, uh, that's a good thing to have, especially uh, if people have uh, plan participants who might get the idea of suing you. Uh, it's just a great idea to have. The coverage isn't that expensive. Uh, years ago, I had a client, part of a class action lawsuit, million dollars of legal fees. They had fiduciary liability insurance, so the uh, insurance company picked up $900,000 off that million-dollar tab. Number eight, that professional firm has to be good. My TPA recommended them. Um, you know, obviously, when a plan sponsor receives a referral from a TPA or other for you know for another retirement professional firm, uh, I think it's important that um, the plan sponsor investigates the referrals. Um, you know, I've, over the years, I've gotten some bad referrals over the years, uh, not just in the retirement plan space, just, you know, people given ideas. I never understand why, where I live in, in Oceanside, people go on the, um, you know, some of these uh, uh, groups, these Facebook groups that are local and ask complete strangers for recommendations. It just reminds me of that whole um, line from the movie Back to School, where the son, the Thornton Mellon, played by Rodney Dangerfield, wants to use, you know, wants to buy used books because they've already been, you know, underlined and and whatnot. And um, you know, uh, Thornton Mellon says, "Well, what if they, what if they were maniacs?" And so sometimes you get referrals from people, and you're like, uh, "Maybe they're a maniac." I wouldn't say that about TPAs and whatnot, but any plan provider just giving you one referral, I, I'm always, always suspect. I always believe that uh, if I'm going to refer a TPA, I'm going to use like at least three TPAs. I want the plan sponsor to make a choice. I don't want a plan sponsor to think that I, I pushed them to somebody, um, you know, uh, to, to somebody that I'm on the take with. Um, a lot of, you know, I, I've seen ERISA attorneys um you know, do, there was one ERISA attorney in particular where, again, referred business to an advisor and it, it was, uh, you know, spilling tea, as I say, this uh, ERISA attorney. So this ERISA attorney had his own practice. He was part of a ERISA-only law firm out in Florida. I knew him back then when I was a lowly attorney working with CBiz Retirement Services, Inc. And anyway, he was based out in Florida. I think I want to say Boca. And uh, he later joined a really well-known law firm, really impeccable reputation. The problem with him is he didn't have such a uh, impeccable practice. So he would kick over business to um, a TPA that I work with, a producing TPA. He created a dummy corporation. So he would get paid, the dummy corporation would get paid a solicitor's fee, paid solicitor's fee for any clients he referred to the producing TPA. And uh, the reason he did that was because you, know, you want the other law firm partners to know about it. Uh, what's mine is mine. Uh, what's the, you know what's mine isn't theirs and whatnot. The attorney has since passed away, so it's nobody that's. Uh, I'm not shaming anybody who uh, 
is out there. Um, and, uh, you know, not going to name names, obviously have respect for the dead and all that kind of stuff, but that's what happened. Um, I, I, again, I've been in this business 25 years. I've seen a lot of, lot of strange things, less so, uh, now than I, I used to in the past, but it does happen. And so good referrals are very, very important. And uh, again, I trust referrals if I get more than one name. Uh, that's how I feel about it. Number seven, don't have to worry about plan design. Yeah, plan sponsors don't think that, you know, things change and whatnot. Again, I had that Madoff client to find benefit plan. Really worked well when there were like four or five of these doctors. When there were like 12 employees or 20 employees, it didn't work anymore. So what did we do? We replaced it with a new comparability 401k plan. Uh, the assets that were lost by Madoff were, were eventually retrieved by the bankruptcy trustee. And, uh, you know, employers need to go out and see what fits and what doesn't. And new comparability, safe harbor. I mean, these are the things that, you know, a good plan sponsor will fig figure it out uh, and, and, and whatnot. Number six, close and near and dear to my heart. My broker advisor picked these funds years ago. They are still good. Of course, we always talk about that. Law firm that I was at, funds were picked out by an ERISA attorney 10 years earlier, but you do have advisors out there, not so much anymore, but there are advisors out there that just don't service their clients. They just collect a, a quarterly fee and don't help the client. And so, you know, you may have funds over there on the lineup that, uh, you know, look really, really popular about 10 years ago. And that, you know, again, reminds me of the, the law firm plan where, again, these were great funds back if you traveled back in time. And uh, it's important that obviously, you know, plan sponsor have an IPS, have an advisor who's there and alive and has a pulse and, and whatnot. Number five, expense ratios. I don't have to worry about that. Expense ratios is such a big deal where it wasn't 20 years ago. How is that? Well, expense ratios, they never ever considered it as part of a plan expense. Um, you were told, a plan sponsor was actually told 20 years ago that having index funds was more expensive than having uh, actively managed funds because actively managed funds paid revenue sharing and index funds did not. So you were told, oh, you know, if you, if you pick the Vanguard 500 index funds, it's going to cost you more than Fidelity so-and-so or, or American funds so-and-so. And obviously... Uh, we've been more cognizant of expense ratios and it's been a bigger, bigger deal because we've had a lot of litigation on it. And, you know, share classes are, are still an interesting concept to me. And our share, it just reminds me of the old uh, subway system map. You know, the L train was the LL and I think there was an LK. Oh, I don't, it's just, it's just nonsense. It's just, it's gobbledygook. And there are a lot of plane sponsors out there that, you know, should have a lower share fund class because they have enough plan assets, but they do nothing about it. And those folks get sued. Uh, obviously, number four, I only want low-cost funds. You know, um, the market has gone where, you know, you can't have index funds and everybody wants index funds. And the problem with that, obviously, is um, index funds or just low-cost funds, the performance isn't out there. You know, you're just as good as the index, um, a little bit less because you have management fees and um, drift and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I think a mixture of everything is good. 
I don't necessarily think an all-index lineup is the greatest thing or just concentrating on, you know, the lowest cost fees. Number three, that broker is good. He's my cousin. Obviously, um, plane sponsors really need to hire people on the up and up and hiring somebody because they're your relative is just not on the up and up. Um, I used to always, you know, where I come from, nepotism and cronyism in hiring is a big deal. The Nepo baby explanation is, is hilarious. I, I, the first time I heard that, you know, quote was Jamie Lee Curtis uh, defending herself. And, of course, she wins an Oscar that her parents didn't. So I think she's done okay for herself. But the Nepo baby goes a little bit crazy. My daughter now is a hostess at the local pizzeria. I'm one of the pizzeria's best clients, customers. I, you know, tip the people on takeout and be going there for 25 years and I don't raise a stink if something goes wrong or I'm just, you know, just pleasant and whatnot. So based on that, I think my daughter got hired. So they call uh, people at work. So some of them call her Nepo baby because, you know, probably got hired because I'm a great customer. And, you know, if she, you know, if I'm good, maybe my daughter's good. I don't know. But I think it's important that plane sponsors hire somebody on the up and up, not because of who they know or who they're related to. Number two, plan investments are directed by the employee. We're free as a bird. Again, you go back to that old law firm plan. You know, Pat, uh, who uh, I want to say her grandson is <laughs> was a star football player where I where I live. So I got a little hairy years ago when I saw her at, uh, at, at soccer practice. But uh, the idea that you give out Morningstar profiles to plan participants and say, oh, you know, this is it. This is what you got. And uh, I'm going to be exempt from liability. ERISA 404C is not a suicide pact. It's a sliding scale. More information you give to plan participants, the more protection a plan sponsor is going to get. Um, you give some, you get some. You give nothing, you get nothing. And uh, again, um, I, I still think even the best 401k plans don't do the best job uh, in terms of getting information out there. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't have an IPS, you don't have somebody to review funds, you don't have an advisor on the plan, the protection you're going to get is just slim to none. Um, so, you know, it's a really, really important concept. And again, ERISA 404C, uh, giving participants direction, direct investments, again, uh, this push to crypto, as I speak now, when I was really against crypto, it was like 16, 17,000. Now crypto is at 27, 28. And I'm in a better mood because I am back in black instead of in the red. I think that's the term, right? If you're making money, you're in black. Uh, you're red, yeah, red ink if you're you're not. So my, my break-even price in my account was 24 and a half. It's now at like 28, so I'm in the money. I still think crypto is an awful idea for 4K plans, even though I'm making money on it and uh, helping with the other investments that aren't doing so well. Benson Hill is like the end of me right now, but hopefully it gets up from a buck 23 back to where it should be, which is like two, 250 or whatever it is. But, you know, it's, uh, again, uh, ERISA 404C, uh, crypto, bad idea, um, non-regulated investments, prone to cyber theft, uh, very volatile, keep it away. Last but not least, there are, despite fee disclosure, there are people 
who swear they pay nothing for administration, uh, despite the fact that their plan providers have to provide information that says how much they're making money off the plan. Uh, but you still have plan providers. Somebody just pointed me out to a TPA that I know. It says zero-cost administration. And the advisor says, how do they do that? Well, if you look closely, uh, the TPA is the 338. So the 338 is making 40, 50, I don't remember the number, but as a TPA, their affiliate is a 338 making 40 to 60 basis points off the assets. So they are paying for administration. Uh, you can't use an advisor uh, that's not them uh, with the plan. So there are still people playing games uh, out there, and you have plan sponsors who just don't know the games that these plan providers pay uh, play. So that's that with this episode at 4K Podcast. Uh, I hope you tune in next week, and of course, turn in tune into. Turn to that foreigncase.com for further information, and of course, tune in for next week for another episode. Thank you. Bye.